We're going to get some uh, coughing today. We'll, uh, we'll start in Luke chapter 18 with verse 1. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And then let's turn to Ephesians. First chapter, I, I, I could probably preach a year on these verses in Ephesians chapter 1. Don't worry, I won't preach that long. But we'll start with verse 3, read down to verse 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, it's the joy of trying to get these things to work. Hey, how about that? It's coming up. All this technology, I don't know. I, I don't know how Jesus did it without an iPad and uh, Bible study software. It just, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, anyway. I remember back in the uh, 1970s, um, there, there was developed a very, very powerful tool to share the gospel. Um, it was called uh, Evangelism Explosion, if you've ever heard of it. Uh, a number of churches still use it today. Um, and it basically, in the States, what it involved was people would go around from door to door, and they would, uh, you know, they'd knock on the door, and uh, they'd start talking to people, and they had a real powerful question. And the powerful question was, if you would die tonight... Do you know where you're going? If you would die tonight, do you know where you're going? And that's a very powerful question. And that's a question you could ask yourself. You know, if you died tonight, do you know where you're going? 
And we always make that nice little choice, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? And many churches have used that, and many people have come into the kingdom because of that question that was asked. But there's a challenge to that question. It's not that I'm against the question, certainly not against evangelism explosion in any way, shape, or form, but there's a challenge to the question. Is the goal of your life heaven? Is that the goal of your life? Is that the goal of your destiny? I remember when I was a kid, and I would think about heaven, and I would think about this idea of sitting on a cloud with my angel wings and my harp and playing my music, and you know what I thought? I thought, how boring could something be? Heaven really didn't sound all that great to me if that was heaven. Because I'm thinking, you know, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, as it says in Amazing Grace, 10,000 years of sitting on a cloud and playing a harp. Who wants to do that? Who wants to do that? Is that really the goal of your life? Is that the reason Jesus died for you? Is that the purpose of your salvation? And then there's another problem, and I've shared this before. I remember back in the 1980s, I was trying to find who this was, but I remember there was a United Church of Christ pastor in Southern California back in the 1980s. And this guy, he decided that he wanted to convert to Buddhism. So he decided to be a Buddhist, but he continued as a United Church of Christ pastor because he did not see any real incompatibility between Christianity and Buddhism. He felt like the Buddhism was just another pathway for his enlightenment. And it begs another question. Is the purpose of your destiny your own individual enlightenment. We really face a challenge when we're talking about the kingdom of God and the challenge is the challenge of individualism. Individualism is such a deep-seated value of our culture today. The idea that somehow we are these individual units of life and our purpose is, our purpose is these individual units of life is to find our own highest calling, our own highest destiny, our, our own highest purpose as an individual unit of life. But that is completely alien to the scriptures. I have to confess too, there's a saying that has been said a lot that I really struggle with. I'm not sure I disagree with it, but I struggle with it. And that's the saying that if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have died for you. I'm not sure that's true. I am not sure that's true. Because when you look at the Bible from the very beginning, as God created us, 
He created us male and female. He created us as social beings. We've, we've, we've talked about this before, but he created us as social beings. He created us for relationship. And he created us with a mission. So he put us in relationships, and then he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And for the church... God effectively says the same thing. We are born again into a new set of relationships with a mission. What's our mission? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. Together. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So we need to beware of this individualism, because the individualism that's in our society is deeply ingrained in our minds. Individualism comes into the idea of, well, you know, I don't really like that church. I think I, 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 think I want to go to a, another church that I might like a little bit better. All of a sudden, you have made yourself as an individual the arbiter of what's right or wrong with the church. It feeds into the whole consumerist mentality. Or that oftentimes we'll say, well, you know, that doesn't just feel right for me. It doesn't work for me uh, to pray uh, every day. I, I just don't get into that. Or whatever you might put in there. And it betrays the individualism that comes through in our society, in our cultures. And that individualism that started out uh, as largely a Western issue is now been exported around the world. Many people are buying into that. So our reality, our destiny as Christians is not an individualistic reality or destiny even though it is for us as individuals. But it's not just for you as an individual. We see that in the passage here in Ephesians. I can't tell you the number of times that I personally have read this passage, maybe in my own Bible study. And notice how he says in that passage, you know, he talks about how he has blessed us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. I have read that passage so many times saying he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in Christ even as he has chosen me. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says he's blessed us in Christ. He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Every benefit of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior comes to us collectively, not us individually. And if there's no blessing for us collectively, there's no blessing for you individually. In other words, you experience the benefits of those blessings in Christ 
as we're together. As we're together. We experience the blessings of Christ not as just as individual units, but as whole people. This means that our salvation is always connected to the salvation of God's whole family and God's whole creation. Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross not only to redeem us, but to redeem all things to him, Paul says in Colossians. So our salvation, your salvation as an individual is always connected to God's salvation, of the salvation of God's whole people and God's whole creation. And your purpose, your destiny, your blessings in Christ Jesus, although they are experienced by you personally, they are not just experienced by you individually. Does that make sense? And it's really important that we understand this because a lot of times we miss out. I've seen so many people who call themselves Christians over the years just kind of isolate themselves into their own home church, which is a home church of one, thinking that, oh, it's just fine. You know, I can be a Christian on my own just as well as I can to go and hang out with that group of people that I don't really like. But that's not true. It is actually a lie of the enemy. We cannot be a Christian on our own because God has created us for relationship and our salvation is our salvation together in Christ Jesus. This also reminds us then of a second dynamic here that comes out in these texts. Paul talks about here uh, the mystery you notice there in Ephesians, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Our destiny in the Lord is not so that we get to go to heaven and sit on a cloud somewhere drinking a pint and stroking on the harp. Our destiny is to be part of this extravagant mystery plan of God to bring all things together in Jesus Christ. So everything in the heavens, everything on earth is brought together in Jesus Christ and we come together in Christ to fulfill all of God's purposes for this creation. And we're going to be part of that. This idea of some kind of heaven, eternal bliss, where we do nothing for all eternity is a fiction. The reality is that we will be in an eternal relationship with God and with other people, fulfilling the purposes of God for which God created us. And all things are brought together. 
Yes, it's going to be a blissful time. Yes, it's going to be heaven. Yes, the reality is that one day there will be a new heaven and a new earth where there's no more crying and there's no more mourning and there's no more pain and there's no more sin where we don't have to hide ourselves. We will be completely open with one another and completely open with God. And that is a reality that God is going to bring about. It's promised in his word and everything is going to come to that fulfillment. But in the meantime, time God is going to fulfill his purposes on this planet on this creation in this universe to demonstrate the excellencies of his rulership of his kingdom and we all have a part in the fulfillment of that plan and in many respects I like something that uh, Mike Bickle says about our lives he talks about our, our lives on this earth as a 70-year internship preparing us for what God has for us when Jesus comes again. And so we need to remember that the purpose of our salvation is not some individualistic trip to heaven, but it is a corporate experience of the perfect kingdom of God manifested under the rulership of Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, who has brought all things together in the heavens and on the earth. And we share in that reality. And that's where we're going, and that's the mystery here. The mystery here is somehow all of history... All of humanity, all of the purpose of this universe and its creation comes to a point, comes to a resolution in Jesus Christ. And our deepest desire is that Jesus would see the satisfaction of his soul, of his suffering, and he would be delighted, and we would be delighted in him. That is our reality. That is the thing that we are moving toward. And we need to remember, it's the end. What I'm looking for is not that I'm individually saved, although I'm thankful that I'm individually saved, but I want to see history reach its fulfillment in Jesus. I want to see the mystery of God's plan in Jesus unfolded and I want to take my part along with every single one of you who are in Christ Jesus, I want to take my part in the unfolding of that plan. You know, and it might very well be that I get to be in part of the band, you know, the worship team in the heavenly places, or I might get something else. I don't know what it is, but it just as long as I'm there and I'm with you guys, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. We're there together. We're there together. So we know now a bit of why we're saved. We're saved together. We're saved for a mission. We know the culmination of that mission. But now it begins to beg the question, how do we live our lives? What do we do now? How do we live our lives in this place, in this time? So often we read that passage in Luke. And, uh, and again, it's a, it's a great passage. And when I'm reading it, you know, and, and Jesus says, you know, will not God give justice to his elect who call out to him day and night? 
I'm tempted to read that individualistically. So I'm tempted to say, you know, as long as I individually cry out to God day and night, I individually will get justice. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said. When he uses the word the elect, he's talking about a group of people. He's not talking about an individual person. He's talking about a group of people who cooperate, who work together, praying together, calling out to God continuously, and God responds to that group of people calling out to him continuously and brings them justice. And justice here, it's not somebody getting punished or anything like that. Justice is simply the wrong things in the world becoming right. So God's justice against sickness is healing. God's justice against sin is forgiveness. God's justice against demons is seeing the captive set free, and so on and so forth. God's justice against poverty is people having their needs met. And justice unfolds in all these different dynamics, all these different dimensions, and it's our role together as those who have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, as those who have been adopted as sons, as those who have received all of these benefits, as those who have a knowledge of the unfolded mystery of God that everything will culminate in the revelation of Jesus Christ as King of kings and as Lord of lords. We come together as those people not just living for the future and not just basking in our benefits, but we come together to see God's kingdom come on this earth now. This is what God wants for us. This is our purpose. You don't get saved just so you can have your sins forgiven and then just live your life the way you want to live your life. That's not the option. If you're saved... You're saved into a community and you're saved into a community of people who have a responsibility together to advance God's kingdom in the world today. You're saved as part of a company of God's elect that God has designed in Christ to see his justice unfolded on the earth. And one of the amazing things about this community into which we're saved is that it looks so weak and ugly sometimes. I'm not speaking about you guys, I'm speaking about me. Uh, ugly, it might get sick and have, have a hoarse throat or something like that. That it, it might not seem to be strong, it might not seem to be great, but somehow God brings us into this community, he saves us in this community, and makes this community then an agent of the advancement of his kingdom. And that is our responsibility, that is our goal, to see his kingdom come, to see his will done on this earth as it is in heaven. We want to see the kingdom of God come in our lives here as it came in the days of Jesus, and it came as it came in the days that Jesus walked the earth. But here's the point. 
in our redemption, in our redeemed humanity, we are always connected to those people around us. We are always connected to the life of the world in which God has placed us, in which we have shared, in which we are called to serve by doing good, and in which we discover who we are. God puts us where he's put us. He's brought me to London. He's brought you guys here to City Temple. Some of you haven't been to London. He's brought us here in this place. He's given us this assignment so that together, in connection with one another, in connection with the neighbors around us, the neighbors around, the living around us, in connection with them, that we might see his kingdom advance as we do good to them, as we share Jesus with them, and as we do good with them, as we serve them and share Jesus, that enables us to discover who we really are. So many people make the mistake of assuming that what you need to do is discover who you are, and then you can go on the journey. You discover who you are, and then you can do your mission, or you can do your ministry. And I know a lot of people who have spent a lot of time in their lives saying, okay, God, speak to me. What am I supposed to do? What is my calling? What is my purpose? And they never hear God speak. And they never discover it. They never find it. And they get frustrated with God and say, God, you know, you seem to spoke to Moses, but you didn't speak to me. You, you seem to speak to John the Baptist, but you haven't spoken to me. You know, it's not fair. And so doing, they totally misunderstand how all this works. God doesn't say, here's your calling, now go do it. Occasionally, maybe somebody like Abraham, he might. But most of the time, God says, here's where you are. Here are the people around you. Here are the people that have been saved along with you. Serve with them. Do good where I placed you. And as you set out on this journey, you will discover who you are. You will discover my plans and my purposes for you. In the context of this community, in the context of this place, you will discover how I am sending you how I've gifted you and empowered you, not as an individual isolated in some way, seeking your own personal self-actualization, but as part of a community of people redeemed by Jesus Christ, called into being by Jesus Christ, a community of people who have been saved together on a mission to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. A group of people who know that they've been saved together for a history that will culminate in the revelation of Jesus Christ. But as a group of people who serve where God has placed them together. And in so doing, they see God's kingdom come. That is who we are together. And together, we have been blessed in the spiritual realms 
with every blessing in Christ Jesus. We have it together. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray, Father, that in my muddled-mindedness today, that something of clarity will have come out to your people, that they will uh, hear and understand. Lord, thank you that you've saved us together as your people. Thank you that you've placed us in a broad Christian family, but also that you've called us to a particular time, a particular place, a particular part of that family. Father, help us to cooperate together and see your kingdom come and your will be done, to see your kingdom advance and justice accomplished in every aspect of it. We just thank you and praise you, Lord, for all that you're doing in and through us. We love you now and worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.